This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Paul Lang, Captain Harrison Hawk from Star Trek Horizon, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of any Iconian gateway. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. In episode number 66, I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and joining me as he does every single episode. I haven't figured out how to get rid of him yet, but until he, he stops coming, I'm going to keep introducing him. He's a grand old flag. He is Purple Mountain's majesty. He's a Yankee Doodle Dandy. He's the incredibly patriotic Dan Davidson, and long may he wave. Welcome aboard, buddy, and happy Independence Day. Dan D. That's funny. I like how you did that. You're welcome. Happy Fourth of July to you and to everybody else. Always good to be here. Love being here. Recording the Trek Geeks podcast with my best pal, Bill. Happy birthday, America. <laughs> happy birthday, America. <laughs> Dude, episode 66? Yeah. Wow. General Order 66. Little cross what? genre right there, but that's okay. Let's, let's hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be the first one that gets taken down, Mister. Hey, oh, so wait, I'm a Jedi. You're you're something. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so we have to stop for a minute and thank everybody that downloads. You know, last month at this time, we thanked everybody for giving us our most successful month yet. And well, it turns out we lied. Mm. Last month wasn't our most successful month yet the the month we just went through was so this show keeps growing by leaps and bounds and truly thank you to everyone who downloads and listens i will never understand it but i am so very gracious and thankful because listening to the two of us uh, it's like watching paint dry sometimes don't you think no just <laughs> watching and listening i just yeah <laughs> Dan no. Davidson, king of mixed metaphors. It truly is uh, an honor to be doing this and to have the people listening that are. It's so great. We love doing this so much, and we can't thank the listeners enough for continuing to listen and for bringing friends and family into it also, because we've had that happen. You know, the one of the best byproducts of starting this podcast has been all of the Trek friends we have made in the last year and a half, and it, uh, it's the best feeling in the world. It is. It is. Well, Dan, we should probably also say happy birthday, Omega-4. But before we get to that, why don't you tell our new friends how they can get in touch with us? Certainly, yeah. As always, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. 
Or you can give us a call and leave a voicemail message in two ways. You can call 508-784-1701. Or if you want to go online, go to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks and feel free to leave a message there. Uh, also, lots of great conversation going on in our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. That's over at facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. So uh, go right over there. Ask to be let in, and we'll let you right in. And for a bonus for joining Camp Kittimer, we're going to give you early access to these podcasts. And that's a pretty cool thing. So, uh, I love it. It is. It's great. So just remember, uh, we uh, have the right to use any comments or messages that you leave in any of these places. And, and chances are we're going to say something about it on a future episode. And as that is finishing up, I am going to send it back to the studio to Anchorman Bill Smith. You stay classy, Dan Davidson. Thank you so much. That was a great report for the field. <laughs> we do that just for Drosa knowing. <laughs> well, we are his 47th favorite podcast, right? On uh, Thursday. Yes. Okay. Good, good. And we don't even come out that day. (laughs) Let's take a look at the news from our good friends at treknews.net. They are, of course, our first stop for Star Trek news, and we hope they'll be yours, too. And, Dan, first up this week... It looks like an old friend has come back to us. This is unbelievable. The more I have seen, the more impressed I am. For two and a half years, the original Starship Enterprise that was used during filming back in the 60s has been in a retro. It's been in dry dock or space dock getting a refit. And it is finally back on permanent display at the Smithsonian. And it looks Unfreaking believable, doesn't it? It really does. You know, I saw it probably about 10 years ago in the gift shop of the Air and Space Museum when it was in the basement. And it didn't it didn't look quite right because they had tried to fix the external wiring mm-hmm. on the uh, on the port side. And they added lights where there weren't supposed to be lights, but I have to tell you, looking at the photos of this restoration. It is the way I imagined it was 50 years or more ago. Yeah, it is It is. It is breathtaking. And uh, it makes me want to go down to Washington, D.C. just for that, just to see that, because it is, it is that amazing. Have you never been to the Air and Space Museum? I have. It was, oh God, it was high school years, so we're talking 30 years ago. Um, yeah. And I don't really remember much of it. I believe it was there when I went, but I don't recall uh, I mean, I might be mixing it with maybe the Enterprise hanging from the Vegas experience. I'm not sure, but uh, right. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've been to the Smithsonian. That 11 foot shooting model used to hang from a ceiling somewhere in the air and space before they moved it to the basement gift shop. Okay, then I did see it at Smithsonian because I remember it hanging. So I believe that that's where I did see it. Yeah, that was a long time ago. A long time ago, sir. We're not young chickens. Well, speak for yourself, <laughs> <laughs> Dan. Next up in news. Brian Fuller has had some interesting things to say about the new Star Trek series premiering on CBS All Access in January. I thought it was great that he brought these things up because there's been a lot of rumors out there for a lot of uh, a lot of weeks about when it's going to take place and is it going to be this type of series or not. And although he didn't really answer anything definitively, he did squash some of those rumors. Uh, one of them being that it is not going to be an anthology show, which has been widely spinning the last few weeks. And I'm 
I'm not disappointed by that revelation. I'm glad it's not yeah. an anthology show because honestly, I don't think Star Trek lends itself to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if the original series had been an anthology show. Yeah. So William Shatner could have played Captain Kirk and then maybe some other yeah. lieutenant mm-hmm. and then maybe a transporter chief. Yeah. Well, maybe Miles O'Brien would have finally been able to play Captain Kirk. Or Colmini, do- rather. <laughs> <laughs> we already have Captain O'Brien in Star Trek Reliant, dude. Oh, that's right. Great. Anyway, back to Brian Fuller. <laughs> he also um, discussed that there's been a lot of speculation about when this new series is going to take place. Is it going to be after Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and before The Next Generation? And although he didn't say when it's going to take place, he did make a comment that it was funny that he's reading when the time periods are being rumored to take place in, or when the show will take place in. So he didn't tell us when it is, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be what everybody is discussing recently. Yeah, he kind of told us when it's not. And and I'm okay with that too. Right. Oh, I'm very I'm very okay with everything he said. The other cool thing, season one will consist of 13 episodes, and it will be a season-long arc. I love the fact that it's an actual story that gets told throughout a season. I, I I'm a little I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bummed that it's only thirteen episodes. Oh, I am too, and I'm seeing we're seeing that a lot with streaming and other types of shows. Like Game of Thrones, for example, ten se- ten episodes per season recently. I hear next season's only gonna be seven and the season after that is only gonna be six. It seems like they're really shrinking things down. As long as the content's in there and it's good, thirteen episodes, thirteen episodes. Well, so saith Dan Davidson. So, uh, Dan, moving forward, it looks like there are a couple new toys for us geeks available. We said at the beginning of the year that it was going to be a very expensive year being the 50th anniversary. Yeah. We ain't lying, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before the beginning of this year, they announced um, a Bluetooth communicator was being designed uh, by the Wand Company, I believe is the name. Uh, that is finally available, and the reviews are starting to trickle in. And damn, does this thing look sweet. It has been getting some great reviews. It looks fantastic. You mentioned the one one thing in one of the reviews that's a little a little troublesome, but you know we're going to have to see what it's like if we ever get our hands on one, is the sound is not that loud. That's the only really negative thing I've heard at all, and I've read and watched dozens of reviews since this thing came out. Well, and it seemed like the sound wasn't loud enough for like a busy street. Or a room with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. If you were just sitting there having a conversation in a room, you know, theoretically, it it, the the reviews made it seem like it was fine. Yes. One thing that I have not been able to see in any review or hear uh, in a video review is when you flip the top, does it make the noise? I I would imagine it. I hope so. Has to. I would hope so. Yeah. But uh, that's going for, I believe, uh, 130 bucks. I think, is what it's uh, running about right now. Oh, not too cheap. <laughs> that's not too bad in comparison to <laughs> the next toy. Oh, my. This, is, <laughs> this one has got me all giddy. Uh, Mega Bloks has a special series of Star Trek-themed projects, as I like to call them, for the 50th anniversary. And I didn't think this was coming out until the fall, but they are now doing pre-orders for the Starship Enterprise, which is going to be released on July 22nd, and is not small, my friend. It is 3,000 plus pieces. It has lights in it. It's got a dedication plaque on it. And it is 250 smackers. (laughs) 
yet not uh, inexpensive by any means. I mean, it's on par with some of the larger Lego sets, mm-hmm. but still, that's that's a huge chunk of change. Yep. 85 centimeters in length, so it's not small either. So um, on July 22nd, I will be sure to tweet out the picture of the package when it arrives at my doorstep because I have already <laughs> ordered it. <laughs> You did not. I did. I'm like, I, I'm like, I was gonna. I was happy that it was coming out in the fall because I'm like, oh, I can save up some quatloos and get it for like a birthday present. No, I got the the link that it was t- pre orders on Amazon. It's already ordered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding out, and I don't know why. I, I think it's because uh, you know with Star Trek Vegas coming up, mm-hmm. you know the convention. I'm trying not to spend a whole bunch of money right now, but I almost kind of have to because. It's available. It's hard. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I was I was a little eh about doing it at first, but then I got the Klingon Battle Cruiser a few weeks ago, if you remember, and I had a blast yep. putting that together. I haven't done a Lego Mega Bloks project in forever. And I had a really great time doing this. So I'm like, you know, I gotta do it. I'm gonna have a few nights where I'll have some time to myself and I'll be working on that three thousand plus bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to Post photos of it in progress as you're building it. I will be happy to. And Dan, lastly, in news this week, it looks like uh, one of the vice presidents from CBS made an appearance on the official Star Trek podcast to talk about the brand new fan film guidelines. It was a very interesting conversation. John Van Sitters appeared on Engage, and as you said, wanted to discuss the fan film guidelines. There has been a lot of things being said and speculated on social media since that announcement. Um, so he came on to try to clear things up. I thought it was an, a very engaging conversation, but it was a great conversation. I I really liked what John had to say. Um I think he helped clarify some things. There are some things that are still kind of up in the air. Uh, What was your take on it, man? I thought that it was good to get that perspective, you know, because when we did our Acts and Our Rules episode last week, there were things that they brought up in the Engage discussion that we hadn't thought about, like using music. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me that CBS doesn't own the licenses to those music or to the music used in Star Trek. You know, the publishers do. So... Now that I think about it, that makes perfect sense. So there were elements like that that I didn't think of, and I'm sure that other fan film creators listening didn't think of either. Right. I also thought it was interesting. I, I, I will say I was somewhat surprised, and I'm, I am got to say also I'm a little skeptical that the timing of this release had nothing to do with Axanar. That was surprising to me that he said it was completely separate. Um, you know, take him at his word. Or take him at he has to be quiet because there's a lawsuit going on right now. I don't know. But I found that very um, eyebrow-raising, I, I guess I should say. You know, I, I suppose the timing of the release of the guidelines, you know, is makes it seem probably more suspect than it may actually be. It's entirely possible they could have been talking about this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in all honesty, John Van Sitters has been very open and honest about everything yes, else. That's true. You know, the guy is a rabid Star Trek fan. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to take him at his word, even though he works for the mothership, mm-hmm. which is why I use in air quotes, yep. as I, I've kind of taken a calling CBS. But, you know, ultimately, you know, there's it was a discussion about the official CBS rules, which no other studio has done before. Right. And on the CBS official podcast. So 
you know, I, I have to take it with a grain of salt. Yep. Uh, and we will. Um, I also, I, it also could, you know, maybe it's, you know, the dropping of the guidelines was in the time frame it was because someone sitting up high on a throne who thinks he knows everything decided to set his own list of guidelines up to help CBS and Paramount. So maybe they just decided, yeah, no, we're just going to go with these things. Well, and it strikes me as a horrible PR move on the Axonar part. Because how, how do we know they didn't see some of these guidelines in advance as part of the settlement? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, there's a negotiation going on still. You know, I get the feeling that it almost seems like they were trying to sway fan opinion by trying to release their own guidelines or some kind of consortium of guidelines, which nobody wanted a part of. Yes. And then nobody cared about what Axnar had to say, which makes sense. So, you know, I... I welcome the guidelines to see what it, it brings as far as creativity in the future. Obviously, there are still questions that have to be answered. I mean, there are productions out there that have either raised money or have episodes in production now. Right. So we'll have to see what happens. Okay. So, Dan, next week, we are going to announce the winner of the very first $25 Amazon gift card in our iTunes subscribe and review effort. I think that's pretty exciting. That is pretty awesome. We've been getting tons of reviews, and we really appreciate them. Positive or negative, it doesn't matter. We want to know what you guys think of the show. Um, Thank you to everybody who's done it. And uh, we're going to keep that going. After we do this $25 gift card, we're going to do it the next quarter. And we're going to keep right on going until we have thousands of reviews. Right, Bill? Thousands. (laughs) Thousands. <laughs> Millions and billions. The cool thing is that you can do it anytime. You can go to iTunes.trekgeeks.com and subscribe. And you can also, if you've got uh, Android, you can go to googleplay.trekgeeks.com, which is kind of cool also. I'll be having an Android phone in just a couple weeks, buddy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're gonna, you decide on the S7 or the S7 Edge? S7 Edge, because I need the longer battery power because of my work and all the bajillion emails I get every day, so... Or you mean for the amount of time you're going to be spending playing Star Trek Timelines? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Well, Dan, something we can confirm this week is that we're taking a special look at the original series episode, The Omega Glory. Um, In kind of in honor of Independence Day here in the United States, as we record it now, it's the 4th of July. And obviously there are elements of this episode that lend very well to talking about that episode on this particular day. Yeah, it's um, it's one that I haven't watched in a while, but of course, in preparation for this episode, I've watched it several times. Um, it's quite an interesting episode. I'll leave it at that for now, and then we'll get more into our opinions of it after. Well, <laughs> that said, why don't we have our friend, the lovely and talented Dan Davidson, launch into the official three-minute recap. Start your stopwatch now. The Enterprise is preparing to enter orbit around Omega-4 when it detects another ship in orbit. It's the USS Exeter, commanded by Captain Ron Tracy. After receiving no response from the ship, Kirk beams over with a landing party and finds no one alive. McCoy determines that all the crystal-filled uniforms are the actual remains of the crew who appear to have died in some kind of strange disease. The ship's surgeon, Log, confirms that a landing party returned to the Exeter carrying a disease and warned that if anyone had beamed aboard, they're dead men. The landing party beams down and watches as villagers called Combs 
preparing to execute a member of the Savage Yangs, but are stopped by Captain Tracy. He advises that the planet offers immunity to the disease that killed his crew, and that Kirk and his men are stranded there for the rest of their lives. As McCoy searches for clues on a cure, Spock and Galway determine that Tracy has violated the Prime Directive by assisting with the murder of Yangs with phasers. When Kirk attempts to contact the ship, Tracy stops him, kills Galway, and says that the planet has vast medical benefits that can prolong life. McCoy determines that the landing party is now immune to the disease simply by being on the planet for a short time. Captain Tracy puts Kirk in a jail cell where two Yangs are currently imprisoned and puts Spock in an adjacent cell. After Kirk and the large male Yang duke it out for a little while, Spock nerve pinches the female through the cell and the fight ends. Later, Kirk mentions that they need their freedom and the male Yang tells Kirk he cannot use their holy words. It appears that the Yangs are not so savage after all, unlike my co-host Bill Smith. So he and Kirk work together to remove the cell bars from the windows. But then, in a typical Bill Smith move, the Yang hits Kirk over the head and escapes with his female companion. When he regains consciousness, he frees himself, and then Spock, excuse me, when he regains consciousness, Kirk frees himself and then Spock, and they head back to where McCoy was working. McCoy believes that there are no miracles on Omega-4, and there are no benefits. Simple, the inhabitants have simply evolved to live hundreds or thousands of years. Tracy then destroys a piece of equipment Spock was using to try and contact the ship and injures him. He's recently been in a massive battle with the Yangs, and he has killed thousands with his phaser, and he has clearly lost his marbles. He needs more phasers, and he orders Kirk to get them from the Enterprise. Kirk tries to trick Tracy and escape, but eventually fails... And as they're fighting, the Yang leader, who was in the cell with Kirk originally, appears with his people and captures both Starfleet officers. The Yang leader, Cloud William, is deciding what to do with these prisoners in the main chamber. And all of a sudden, they bring in a United States flag and their, quote, holy documents. Cloud William starts to poorly recite the Pledge of Allegiance, which Kirk finishes, shocking everyone. It appears that this culture evolved almost identical to Earth with communists and Yankees. Apparently, they had a biological war centuries ago, which caused the disease and then the involvement of the, inhab- of the inhabitants. Captain Tracy tries to trick Cloud William into believing Kirk is evil and a demon assists him, namely our pointy-eared Vulcan, Mr. Spock. Cloud William decides to have them each fight each other because good always defeats evil. The two men fight. Kirk gains the upper hand, but instead of killing Tracy, he goes over to Cloud William, takes out the sacred text, and begins reading it. And it turns out that it's the Constitution of the United States. And Kirk gives the most Shatnerian speech in Trek history. He tells Cloud William that these words were meant for all the people, not just the comms, but for the Yangs as well. And Cloud William does not fully understand, but swears that he will obey that holy text. Kirk and his crew leave with Tracy in custody for violation of the Prime Directive, but not before Kirk takes a look at the American flag and smiles broadly. Dan, fantastic job. Unfortunately, your recap came in at 16 minutes and 47 seconds, (laughs) and you've been disqualified from future contests. And uh, no, seriously, great job at the recap. And for the rest of this episode, I would like to be addressed as Cloud William. I'm just saying. You kind of look like him. (laughs) <laughs> what? He's going to get like a big fur coat and some blonde hair and you'll be just like him. 
Yeah, it's too bad nobody we know has gotten some blonde hair this week. Exactly. You know what? If you're going to be Cloud William for the rest of the episode, you have to talk like him. (laughs) But they slowed his voice down. Except for on the preview. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I I think that, you know, probably one of the things that stands out in this episode to me is Captain Simon Van Gelder. Oh, he is he is a good crazy man, isn't he? Uh, Morgan Woodward plays one of the best unhinged crazy guys in all of television. Yeah, uh, and he does it in both episodes that yeah. that he stars in. Um, he's great in this, and what what I like about it is you can see that at the beginning he's a little twitchy, but after that phaser fight where just thousands of Yangs were coming over the hills, he just like he just like goes nutballs. Oh, without a doubt. And my dogs just went nutballs down the stairs for anybody who was wondering what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Just draw attention to it, buddy. No one will notice. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's got those – he's got wild eyes. He, and he sweats profusely. <laughs> he does. I will say one thing, though. I found it odd. In every Star Trek episode, Kirk does his Kirk karate chop or, or whatever, his – Kirk yep. leg kick, and he always does great. This guy like is heads above Kirk's moves when he does his karate chops, and he's smiling the whole time he does it. Boom! <laughs> 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 yeah, and it's interesting. You know, later in the episode, he's like, you know, don't fight me, I'll win. I'm like, whoa, wow. He's he's got bigger brass than Kirk. <laughs> yes, they train him good there at Starfleet Academy. There must be a class on Kirk Fu at the academy. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. But I also found it very uh, interesting how the uh, how they were tied together for that battle by the hands, and they kept trying to pull each other. It was like a tug-of-war game. That was kind of funny. I thought it was a really you know well-choreographed fight scene, mm-hmm. honestly. Yep, and Kirk saves him again, just like the Gorn. He just won't take that final chop. Well, because, I mean, we're supposed to be better than that at, at this point in our evolution as humans, That's right? true, absolutely. Um, oh, interesting trivia. This is actually the second of three times the Enterprise encounters another Constitution class starship where the entire crew is just dead. <laughs> That's something that I found really. This is something I liked the most. I think about this episode was that beginning where their uniforms were just laying there and their crystals had you know hanging out the wrists where their hands would be or where their neck would be. I thought that was a very very chilling scene i remember seeing that as a kid and it freaked me out yeah i mean it's it's so powerful that there are some retro posters that have been made over the years and for this episode that's what the poster is it's a uniform with salt crystals coming out of it yeah it's rock salt it's pretty awesome you know, for all intents and purposes can you name the other two starships that we see in star trek where the crew is dead when the Enterprise finds them. Oh, man. Um, I would say that the Tholian web would be one yes. because they were, you know, dissolving. And what starship was that? That would be the Defiant. That's correct. And, and the other? The Doomsday Machine, if I remember correctly. But technically, Decker was still alive and the crew wasn't dead. They were just gone. Well, they were dropped off on a planet that the Doomsday Machine destroyed. Well, uh, yes, but they weren't dead on the starship. Well, that wasn't what I said. Okay, all right. I just I I mis I misunderstood you, but there was nobody there but Decker. But Decker was still there, so technically part of the crew was still there. Well, but Tracy was technically still there. He was just on the planet. <laughs> Don't you think I know that? 
<laughs> there was, but not anymore. <laughs> Two good episodes. That's true. And speaking of Constitution class starships, I gotta say that the remastered version of this is breathtaking. When the two ships are in orbit over Omega Four, it looks phenomenal. Even when the Enterprise is approaching, yeah. and you see the Exeter in the distance, yep. it's a it's a great piece of work. Yep, it is I, great. I, I it's so much better than the original and i know there are going to be people who hate that i've said that but it just it looks beautiful the work that they did on these remasters just makes the original episodes so much more amazing to watch i mean yeah you it's not taking away anything i don't think from the original series i mean they would have been going into orbit you would have seen a purple planet in the bottom left corner with nothing in orbit and then they would have kept showing the enterprise by itself even though it's in orbit with the exer it just looks stunning i really really like what they did with it you know another thing that that occurs to me in watching this episode because like you i hadn't watched it in in several years we have yet another episode of Star Trek that deals with a parallel Earth-type culture. Yeah, this one seemed a little bit more far-fetched to me than others, because it didn't seem that they're, like, let's take, for example, a piece of the action. Um, That was due to something that was brought to that planet that that the the inhabitants took and built a society out of. There's no indication that this planet had any prior visitation by Earthers, and it's just a coincidence that they had the United States flag and the Constitution and Yankees communist, very, very, very questionable. But it, it it worked for the episode, I suppose. Did it? Because how in the hell do they wind up with the Constitution of the United States of America and the American flag and the Pledge of Allegiance? Well, I just say that it works for the episode. I don't think it makes sense at all. But for what they wanted to do with this episode. You, th- you throw in one of these weird abstract possibilities and Spock will compute the, the odds to decimal point, whatever. Well, but I mean, that would be true if they came up with their own stuff. Hmm. But the fact is they had our stuff. And for me, it yeah, I, I don't know if it, it, it makes the episode work or not. In fact, for me, it, it, it makes it lean toward the episode doesn't work because they didn't even explain how that could be remotely possible. Okay. No, I, I, t- I totally understand what you're saying. How many scripts have we seen in different shows, not only Star Trek, but other shows that just absolutely make no sense, but it's just, it's just something that they wanted to do. As a matter of fact, Gene Roddenberry, I believe, wrote this one, and at first, the network said, we're not doing that. This doesn't make any sense. And he like pushed it through in season two so that they had to do it. And if I remember reading correctly, he actually nominated this episode himself for an Emmy. <laughs> for for what? <laughs> I like myself. I'm going to give myself an Emmy. <laughs> sound editing? <laughs> no, definitely not for sound editing. No. If you notice, uh, there's a couple scenes with the female uh, comb, uh, Yang, sorry, the female in the jail cell, and she's screaming, or, or before Cloud William was about to get executed um, when they, they first beamed down to the planet, and she's screaming the exact same scream. And that exact same scream is from a couple of episodes prior with someone screaming the exact same scream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did notice that. Yes. I, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching this episode, mm-hmm. even if for me it's not the greatest episode to watch. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. Um, 
I think what saves this episode for me to to be watchable is Shatner's speech. <laughs> it's just so it's it's so crazy the way I mean the the movement of his hands and his chest while he's talking. It is the perfect example of what everybody has quote unquote made fun of or impersonated over the last fifty years. There's nothing better than this speech to see that. The irony of that entire situation, a Canadian giving one of the best recitations on television of a key document in American history on a planet that has developed parallel with the same exact documents. That's some great writing. I I think that should be nominated for an Emmy. I think you should be nominated for an Emmy. Wow. Hey, you want to hear another interesting piece of trivia for this episode? I would love to. The original this this aired the first time was on March first, nineteen sixty eight, and as we know, um, Star Trek was canceled after two seasons, and it was a gigantic write in campaign that brought back the third season. Right, right. So after this episode aired, at the end of the episode, during the closing credits, they made an announcement that Star Trek had been renewed for season three, and please do not send any more letters. Was shown across the screen. <laughs> they should have sent letters based on this episode. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This was also the first episode, and I think the only episode of Star Trek, the original series, where they talked about phaser power packs. Yeah, I remember that too. That was convenient. I, yeah, one of the things that really made me scratch my head was how come the Enterprise crew knew they shouldn't send phasers down. But Captain Ron Tracy didn't. Because Captain Ron Tracy was uh, filled with greed over the fact that they might have some medical salvation fountain of youth that he could profit off of. Well, but I mean, he's a Starfleet captain. Hey, he doesn't care about that. (laughs) (laughs) He cares about the fountain of youth, mister. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of questionable things in this episode, but like you said, it's it, it's as I watched it and I watched it several times. It wasn't one that I was like, "Oh god, I got to watch this again." It was actually kind of fun to watch several times and start seeing different things that I hadn't thought about the previous time I watched it. I'm going to do that all day now. <laughs> <laughs> when don't you? Let's just be honest about this. <laughs> I uh I appreciate the way this episode evolves, you know, because it starts off as one thing and then it turns into something that's quite different. So, you know, they beam aboard the Exeter. You think it's perhaps some sort of medical mystery. And then they wind up getting down to the planet. You find out it's not necessarily a medical mystery, but it's all about power gone mad Mm -hmm. over the search for eternal youth. Yes. So there's a little bit of a change up in the plot of this, which I think works really well. I agree. I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. It's I think that the the original series had the ability to do that in several episodes. Um it's kinda hard to put into words. Um Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I, I had a thought in my head and it just went whoop and it's gone. So we're gonna move on. <laughs> so I was looking at memory alpha for the entry on this episode. Mm-hmm. 
And there was a note in there that actually kind of surprised me. And it says, a fairly lengthy scene from the final shooting script was edited from the final print of this episode. Soon after the landing party arrived at Omega-4, Kirk directly confronted Tracy about the possibility of his having violated the Prime Directive, and Tracy attempted to defend his actions. Tracy also displayed open hostility towards Spock during this scene, revealing his dislike of Vulcans. Mm -hmm. Which I think comes through a little bit, but that's really interesting to know, and it makes me want to know why Tracy hates them. Yeah, yep. I mean, who knows? Was something happened to him or his family? I did think it was interesting. Uh, speaking of Spock, how how he was injured when Tracy destroyed the equipment that he was working on. I thought that was kind of an interesting scene. It was like he got hit by the concussion wave or something of the phaser uh, disintegrating that that piece of machinery. It is interesting that they still have that bigotry. I mean, we saw it in uh, Balance of Terror. There was uh, there was a crew member that didn't like Vulcans because of the Romulan War. Who knows? It's something we didn't really get to see all that well. I believe there was also a discussion or an argument that was Kirk and, or excuse me, that Spock and McCoy were going to have that was actually cut out and not seen in the final cut. Interesting. Yeah. Something about um, they were going to start. Oh, here it is right here. I'm sorry. I've, I've, I have it in my notes here. McCoy said, Jim, this parallels too close. They seem so completely human. Is it possible that, and then Kirk interrupts and says the result of Earth's early space race. So there's a question of whether maybe humans got out there to contaminate this planet. Spock says, quite possible, Captain. They are aggressive enough to be human. And McCoy says, now listen, Spock, you, and then it trails off. So Kirk, or Spock, doing his little little half insult towards humans and their aggressiveness. Um, but that possibility that maybe humans got out there early. It would have taken hundreds yes. of years. I just, I don't get it. I wonder it. if that's why they didn't put it in. Somebody said, no, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, uh, here's hoping. <laughs> you know, another thing that was interesting to me is that Spock apparently has telepathy. Oh. And this is one of the things that really annoys me about this episode. Yep. I mean, I understand the Vulcan mind meld. I understand we've seen him use the mind meld through walls. Yep. You know, but this is just outright brain control or mind control from a distance. I didn't like that at all. And I think that they, they had to do something in order to turn the tides of what was going on and this failed this this was not any thing that we had seen before i just didn't i didn't care for that at all and i didn't really care for the close-up on leonard's eyes during those scenes either it's kind of eerie that was really weird it was an odd decision yeah it was very odd i um do you like this episode overall before the last couple of weeks i would say no which is why I hadn't watched it in, in several years, because it wasn't one that I would be like, oh, I want to watch the Omega Glory. After watching it several times, <clears throat> I would say that I enjoy it, but don't like it. Interesting. What's the, what's the line of demarcation for you? There's just too many mistakes. Uh, and we talked about several of them. There's too many things in this episode that don't make sense. But at the same time, I like it for the... Um, the, the the Star Trek story and what's going on, like I said, the very beginning with the disease and what the crew of the Exeter looks like. Um, Captain Tracy's performance is just phenomenal. Um, the Shatner speech. There's a lot of things to like in the episode without liking the episode. Does that make sense? I suppose that's true. You figured they had three or four different elements that could have made separate episodes on their own. Mm -hmm. I think there was some um, – of course, it's back in the 60s, so it was a little bit different. There was a little bit of um, – 
I don't want to say racism is the right word, but okay, the the uh, the Combs were all you know. He was a big, strapping, you know, Caucasian male, and and the Yangs were Asian older people for the most part, or tried to be with the makeup that they used, which clearly didn't work all the time. I thought that was a right. little of the of the time. I think would be the best way to put it. I thought the whole comparison between the Yangs and the Combs was just incredibly heavy-handed to the point where they literally spelled it out in the episode. Mm, yeah. You know, Yangs being Yankees and Combs potentially being communists. Yep. I get that Star Trek has always dealt with modern-day issues, mm-hmm. but come on. <laughs> they, had to, they had to talk about the Cold War somehow. <laughs> well, it almost seemed like this was more about the Cold War in Vietnam at the same time with right. so much bonk, bonk on the head. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> I was waiting for the space hippies to walk in and start singing some songs. <laughs> Stepping out <laughs> to eat, brother. <laughs> Here's one other thing that I did not like about the episode, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. It just bothered me. It happened a couple of times. I thought the camera work was not great in several scenes. And by that, I mean when the flag is brought into the main chamber and they're playing the the patriotic Star Trek-themed music, the camera kind of like shoots really fast to the flag. And it was as if they wanted – as if they did a regular pan in on the camera during regular filming. And then during post-production, they felt it would be better if they sped that up real fast. It just looked wrong. And they do it two or three times in this episode. They do, although I have to say that you know, in the, in the remastered version of, of this episode – the flag looks really beautiful in there with that background and sort of the purplish light mm-hmm. behind it. It really kind of pops. Yeah. I agree with you on the camera direction, but I have to say the lighting in this episode really is pretty good. It is good. And and we've seen that, the lighting episode in the original series, the way that they do the lighting like on the bridge and everything like that is always really great. And you're right, it is very good in this one too. I did think that some of the scenes outside the lighting was a little weird, but it was only when it was at night. And of course, they have to light it somehow. But when they were in the village during the day, it it was very well done. One of the questions I have is, why is it when we get to some of these Earth-like planets that the town square always seems to look like the bazaar that Indiana Jones was in when he shot the guy with the swords? Well, that's Paramount back in the 1960s, I suppose. <laughs> they even have oriental rugs hanging yes. on the walls. And on the ground. In some of these, and on the ground in some of these scenes outside. Yeah. I also thought it was quite humorous in the scene where uh, Tracy's coming at Kirk with the axe, how Kirk is backing up into that cart of baskets, and he's kind of like wrapping his hands around it like, oh, this will save me. <laughs> and then he crawls up a little bit and then dives on him. <laughs> dives on the guy with the axe. With the axe, yep. Yeah. Who a few minutes ago was karate chopping and smiling at him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of fun in this episode looking at it in hindsight. You know, it's I don't take it as the most serious episode of Star Trek, even though it's meant to be very serious. Just because there were things like that that make me sit back and go, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. But there's, Kirk- there's a lot of episodes like that. And this might be at the top of the list. <laughs> well, I mentioned bonk bonk on the head. We'll have to talk about that episode someday. Too. Oh, I think I'm on vacation that day. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, you know, at some point it's got to happen. Yeah. You figure there's 700 episodes of Star Trek. Um, we got to hit it at some point. Well, number 700, then, man. 
that or um oh i don't know the hopscotch episode from deep space nine <laughs> what time move along, along home? home yeah <laughs> alan moraine <laughs> wow so do you think that anybody explained to Sulu and a landing party that they were going to have to stay on the planet for a little while or else come back and kill everybody? <laughs> well, that's right. They all walk out the door to beam up and they <laughs> yep. Hey, let's take him back up to the ship. Just, oh, wait. That's great. <laughs> I had not thought about that. That's hysterical. <laughs> Oops. Oh, my. <laughs> Sulu, uh, you guys with phasers, stay down here with these savages that like us now. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe you guys can play baseball. Baseball. <laughs> I did not think of the fact that what if he did beam up early and they forgot to, you know, Kirk's like, oh, okay, five to beam up. And as they're in mid-beam, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> One other very cool thing that I would have liked to have seen, and I'm sure we would have seen it if this had been filmed in present day. The chief medical officer on the Exeter, Dr. Carter, was in the captain's chair making that log entry, and then he kind of yeah. like starts having an effect, and he goes off screen. They were going to show him dissolving originally in the script. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, that would have been cool. But I, I bet they probably skipped it for budgetary reasons. Or back in those days, that would be considered too violent on television. Uh, maybe, yeah. but you figure that's one more special effect they have to pay for. Right. And this is late season two, so they're already getting into the budget crunch. Yeah. <laughs> D- did you ever have the Viewmaster reels for this episode? No, I did not. I saw some folks talking about it online, and I'm like, wow, that would have been kind of cool. I did not have that. I vaguely remember having them. Really? That's yeah, awesome. I do. And I, oh, I wish I still had them now because that would be amazing, but. I, I can remember going through this episode with my Viewmaster and changing the reels and stuff. And I had the, the $6 million man one with the Bigfoot episode. <laughs> I remember having that one. But I definitely remember this one. And, uh, and it took somebody mentioning it on Camp Kittimer to, to actually bring that memory back. That's so. pretty awesome. I'll tell you what. If you did have it present day, I would love to see it. And I can assure you that I wouldn't drop it. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> You'd be playing Frisbee with those things. You'd be using them as drink coasters. I'd be like, is this a Kodak disc film? <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's an obscure 80s yes, reference. Yes, sir. Uh, did you notice that Scotty and Chekhov didn't appear in this yeah, episode where, at all? where were they? And and I'll tell you what, and we'll get back to that in just a second, but Sula was awful comfortable when she, whenever he was talking with Ahura, or near Ahura, wasn't he? Kind of leaning yeah. on the console. But yeah, those two were nowhere to be found in this episode, voice or in person. I thought it was a little bizarre. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot. And it was nice to see uh, – well, his name kind of changed a couple of times for this episode. <laughs> it was either Galway or Galloway, Galloway or Galway. Yep. Um, it's a shame that you know that his character met the ultimate redshirt fate. But he shows up later. He shows up later. <laughs> <laughs> I love that continuity of the original series, don't you? <laughs> I do. You know, maybe – you know, maybe it was some of that magic blood that they used in Into Darkness. Maybe it made its way into this timeline. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, he showed up in uh, Day of the Dove as yeah. somebody else. Yep. And then he was Galloway in the final episode of the series. That's right. Turnabout Intruder. Yep. Interesting stuff. So maybe he's a shapeshifter? Oh, the first changeling. Yeah. Oh, I think we got a story here, man. Or maybe he could be a Carmeloid. Want to do a fan film? <laughs> we got to limit it. 
Uh, we'll put you in charge of the fundraising. I can't be trusted. Okay. Well, you know, that could go. So, Dan, final thoughts on the Omega glory on this Independence Day. I enjoy aspects of the episode. It is far-fetched to a fault, but at the same time, if you kind of are able to tuck that in your back pocket and not worry about it, it's good. And I think I think a lot of the credit has to be given to uh, Morgan Woodward for why it's so good, because he's a good psycho. He he really is. He really makes this episode watchable. You know, I've been rewatching the original series on Saturday morning, sort of randomly. I just I pick and choose, and there are some episodes I haven't gotten to yet because I'm dreading loading them yep. up. You know, the the Miri's of the world, mm-hmm. if you will. the uh, The alternative factor, yes. not a favorite episode of mine. Nope. And the Omega Glory is sort of in the middle between episodes I really want to watch and episodes. I don't want to watch, but I know I'm going to at some mm-hmm. point. It's sort of riding a fine line because there are things about it I like very much and things about it that I truly can't stand. Yeah. What I what I think I relate this to is we did the animated series a few weeks ago. Yeah. I had not watched the animated series in 30 years because I didn't I, – because I remember not liking it. And I didn't want to watch it. But when I watched it again for the show – it was not as bad as I remember or thought it was. And there were some that I thoroughly enjoyed. This is another one. I didn't I wasn't looking forward to watching it. I knew it had the Fourth of July aspect to it and, and United States, and so we're gonna do it for today. But after watching it that first time and then several times after, it's not as bad as I remember it being. It's not great, but it's not as bad as I thought. So let's play a little game here. Phaser to your head, you have to make a choice. Is this see it or skip it for you? I'd say see it. I think I would too. And oh, I mean, only because it is it is so classic because of, you know, Captain Simon Van Gelder, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that's not his name. It's Ron Tracy. Don't fight me, Jim. You'll lose or I'll win. But uh, I do have to say see it, even though I don't think the story is that great. Yep. It's just such a a classic episode of Star Trek, if that makes sense. And I would say that if you were going to hold a phaser to my head and make me choose, I really wouldn't be too worried because if it's the same phaser that they were using on Omega-4, it was out of power and they needed a new power pack, so I know that I'm going to be safe anyway. What if I was able to talk Sulu into beaming me down some power packs? Oh, he's Captain Kirk's man. He wouldn't do that, sir. Uh, <laughs> damn you and your infernal logic, yeah, David. I think it would be an, a very easy... It wouldn't be something I'd have to think about long. It would be a see it. Well, I guess that goes for me, too. So on this Independence Day, we both would watch Omega Glory again. I'm not sure what that says about us. <laughs> Other than the fact that we are, indeed, geeks who like Trek. And patriotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are Purple Mountain's majesty. Yes. I think we covered yes. that. <laughs> Thank you, Doodle Dandy. Well, Dan, speaking of other things that are majestic, we must thank profusely those five amazing gents in the band Five Year Mission. Without them, we would not have the amazing music we do for this epi- this podcast. And hey, did you know that they are your house band for STLV50? Get out of here, Willis. Wait a minute. I said that completely wrong. <laughs> you really did. What are you talking about? There we go. No, that, isn't that awesome? We are going to be having so much fun in that giant auditorium at STLV watching those guys rock out, trying to make them laugh before they start. <laughs> Um, they might just be looking at us and laughing, but that remains to be seen. Please head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all of their music to prepare yourself, 
when this episode drops, you'll only have four weeks oh left to prepare. My God. And if you start now, you could memorize every song before you even get to Vegas. So there's your mission. That's a good mission. You know what else is a good mission? What's that, Dan? I watched Return to Tomorrow the other day. My really? special Mirror Universe episode of Return to Tomorrow. It was kind of cool. You know, there's Thalesa. Thalesa, my Thalesa. And there's Hanok. Big, bad Hanok. And then, have no fear, Farkon is here. Oh. You know, I should have known you were going there, and something inside me didn't even put it together. That's why I'm here, man, to surprise you. Farkon. Farkon. Yeah. He's too far gone, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think you're too far gone. <laughs> and speaking of which, Dan, why don't you tell us what's coming up next week? Finally. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> it has been pushed out a few times uh, due to all the recent news that required us to reschedule stuff. Uh, but next time, we're next week, we're doing it. Because, uh, damn it, Chloe, we're running out of time. And time is the fire in which we burn. Time's up. No? Okay, we're going to discuss Wait. Voyager's 100th episode, Timeless. But but you said it wrong. It's time's up. I know. I, I, was, I saw the look on your face as I was doing the other quotes, and it was like, really? You, you're going with those? So I just said it. Well, when you did Time and the Fire in Which We Burn, I almost you know expected you to put on a little performance. Time so. is the fire in which we burn. See, See, much better. Okay, well, all right, we'll use that one. <laughs> all right, so coming up next week, Timeless, Voyager's 100th episode. Uh, I can't wait. It's, I look forward to it. Yeah, it's been a while coming, and uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's specific reasons why we decided to discuss this episode, and we'll get into that as well. So it'll be fun. Timeless. Timeless. For more great Star Trek discussion, please check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions. Online at the TricorderTransmissions.com. They just dropped another episode of Shore Leave, and as we get closer to STLV, that podcast is becoming more and more important, so please check them out. And of course, for all the latest news on all things Star Trek, please visit TrekNews.net. For now, this has been episode 66 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut! I like coconut. Come here. Little retro. <laughs>
for the chiefs or the kings or the warriors or the rich or the powerful, but for all the people. Down the centuries, you have slurred the meaning of the words, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution. These words and the words that follow were not written only for the Yangs, but for the Kongs as well. They must apply to everyone or they mean nothing. Do you understand? 